Welcome back to another episode of the Card Authority live show, episode 11 on a Thursday night. There's been a lot going on. I think it's a good time, as always, to bring in the number one ticket holder at St Kilda. That's, of course, my co-host, Adam Jenks, AJ, whatever you want to call him. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, AJ. Nice to see you again, mate. And I see you're in your new office, which is looking very schmick with uh, some very, very nice bits of cardboard there behind you. Yeah, the den. We're in the, we're in the card den as opposed to the uh, to the, the study this week. So hopefully, uh, this hopefully it turns out all right. This broadcast and there's no technical dramas, and this is going to be the permanent spot. We're doing a bit of work on it. There you go. We'll get out of the way if you can see a little bit of the action there. Hmm. All right, so, all right, all right, all right. It's enough. We've we've been, we've been broadcasting for a minute eighteen, and it's already look at me time. All still right, a work just, in progress. It's still a work in progress. Let's, let's just settle down, all right? But um, all right. it looks good, mate. And uh, hopefully, those new globes are going to fix the issues with you looking like Papa Giuseppe and Mario <laughs> and all sorts of other crazy stuff. So yeah. Anyway, uh, obviously, we've been off air for uh, about ten days now. A bit of an apology there. I did my back, so. It's one of the first days I've been able to get back into my desk, which is uh, which has been nice, but um, yeah, hasn't hasn't been great. Um, what's been going on with you, mate? Obviously, uh, you've been very busy in your den, but uh, talk to me. What else is going on in your world? Yeah, so uh, with the card world, I've been doing a bit of a conversion here. Um, I might uh, maybe in in a couple of weeks' time, or, or even sooner, I might put out the before and after photos and journey of what this was but uh yeah this little room here that we're in right now was um my pet project over the last couple of weeks it was just like a storage room and a lot a spare laundry type of thing basically and uh the wife gave the blessing to uh convert it into a little card area so for only literally a few hundred dollars i've managed to do this whole room up you know the cabinets from ikea and stuff and there's a bit more furniture from ikea that the computer's sitting on and just next to me and whatever and I was pretty amazed, to be honest, because I've never stored, I've never showcased my cards before. My cards, literally, I receive them in the mail, and for the most part, they end up in, in put away in, into my, you know, storage area of my collection. So to have been able to, to put some on displays uh, really excited me, and it's got the vibe going for me for sure for uh, trading cards. It's uh, it's been really uplifting. Um, aside from that, though, just been keeping a keen eye on uh, the trading card markets and the hobby. And everything that's been obviously transpiring, big few weeks, uh, big couple of weeks since we last broadcast with AFL and other sports and non-sport cards and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been huge. And obviously, look, we'll touch um, on trade period a little bit later on. But there's obviously been some interesting things going on. Um, I guess close to home and probably a good way to just time before we have. You know, we've certainly been a little bit Richmond focused over the last couple of weeks. But um, one little last thing from the grand final, I. We, uh, we saw the release of the Dustin Martin highlight card, and I think we sort of touched on that after the grand final. And I think it was probably fair to assume that we were both thinking around the six 700 mark we're going to get produced. I think Pendlebury's was, Pendlebury was the record at 500 maybe, something like that, prior to that. Pendles, yeah, Pendles was 407. Um, yeah, a quick look. And the other, Dusty, was 401. Yeah, so, yeah. There you go. We thought it was going to be huge, um, and to say that we were slightly surprised when we saw the numbers on the back of our cards—a whopping twelve hundred and thirty-four, I think it is. 
1233. I got one here. There you go. This is there you go, mate. You can have that if you really want it, AJ. Well, well, I'm quite lucky that uh, I was uh, I was very well looked after by the guys at Select, and um, uh, not that it's rigged at all, but uh, yeah, I, I picked up the number two card, which was very very fortunate, and um, I'm very thankful to the guys at Select. Obviously, there's no insider trading or no rigged or anything like that. I just uh, I bought a lot of highlights, and it's nice to um, yeah, not nice to. Uh, get a little bit of a win so look yeah. obviously very very successful um one thing let's just talk a little bit about the, the the financial metrics i think would it be fair to say that a lot of people would have bought bulk amounts of those cards or more than they usually would have because they would have foreseen a little bit of a flipping opportunity with that card yeah absolutely people uh lots of uh, i think it's a combination of flipping and it's also the type of card that a lot of non-tigers collectors would be keen to have in their collection um you know short medium and even long term as well um you know it is obviously a highlight card it's the only card currently that, that represents the triple norm smith and everything like that um so i definitely think and as we saw probably from a lot of our viewers and a lot of the people that you and i interact with on a daily basis in the hobby um most people who would never buy highlights not from their team yeah, you know, went in and bought one or more of that card, and, and that's why we see such a high number on it. Pretty interesting, though. Like, I think the debate is going both ways what's going to happen with that. I think, you know, some people are saying, well, no, it holds its value regardless. Other people say at a numbering of, you know, 1,233, it's worth less than, than the the retail the primary market cost. So, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? I don't know. Well, I guess the interesting thing, and obviously you tra- track a lot of data like I do as well, and there have been plenty that have sold for 30 bucks on eBay. So whether that's the people that have missed out or people that wish they had more, clearly I think there was a bit of a sentiment that there wasn't going to be a huge amount of upside, but it's certainly shown the first guys to get them and put them on eBay have been able to make a little bit of money out of them if they wanted to do it. Yeah, there you go. See, I haven't been looking closely at it. I think the other the other thing as well is exactly what Paul Menish just said, and I do the same with highlights. I order multiple trying to get a low number and then to use the other ones for trades, basically. So I think that that's spot on where a lot of people would have been ordering, you know, two or more to hopefully hit one low number, basically. So, yeah, there yep. you go. Yeah, exactly yep. what Paul said then. Spot yeah, on. absolutely. But I guess then that creates a critical mass when you've got a 1,000 cards out there, makes it even harder to get a low number. So, anyway, look, um, just interesting. I'm not, you know, I think on a commercial level, highlights in general have been a huge success for Select this year. Um, yep. I feel like the numbers that have been produced and purchased have been way more in previous years. I don't really keep track of the, the rising star ones, but I imagine that their numbers are probably up as well with Raul and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Max King and Raul. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do next year, whether they keep that trend. And I think these special order limited release cards that they can print on the fly are obviously a good cash cow for them. So how they will try to integrate more of those in future will be interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, Dylan, um, who's just asked about cricket, look, just to touch base on that, obviously we're very AFL-focused because we've been in the middle of the season. We were literally talking before in our production meeting. We're going to have a really dedicated show on NBA and cricket and all those things. Once the sort of dust settles with AFL, which will probably be in the next couple of weeks, we were hoping to do a a big grading show this week, but obviously all this crazy trade stuff that's happened has pushed that back another week. So um, don't worry, Dylan, we will have plenty about cricket in the coming weeks. Um, so, yeah, highlights, obviously, you know, hugely success. That was great. Um, Dusty cards and Richmond cards, have you kept much of an eye on where the marketplace has been for those over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so I don't know if anyone remembers, but last week, um, on that last week, last episode, which is almost two weeks ago now, um, I said that I was doing a bit of an experiment on behalf of Card Authority to see what was going to happen with the Dusty cards and if they were all, if everything was going to inflate. And uh, what I've done was I took one of the Dusty previous week's highlights or from the two weeks earlier, whatever it was, and I bundled it up with a bunch of uh, 2019 to 2020 base cards from the various series and I put them up on eBay. And I will admit here what I thought was going to happen I was very wrong and it did not happen. I thought to myself, okay, cool. Well, you got you got the dusty highlight that's at a base level worth of the minimum $15 to $20. And then we've got these other base cards that are basically worthless, but people are paying, you know, $299, $499, $799 a base card. My little lot of six cards here that I'm testing the market with is going to sell for like $40 to $60. What do you reckon it went for? Do you know what it went for? No, but I'm guessing because you, you know, you like to brag to me about your eBay wins, so I'm suspecting it wasn't a, it wasn't a cheer. No, it went for thirteen dollars. So all six of my dusty cards went for less than the value of just the highlight. Unbelievable. Jeez, I did well there. That's karma trying to rip off the very brave and faithful celebrating Richmond supporters. So There you go. There you go. Um, all right. Well, we'll move on from Richmond. We'll Actually, we pretty much won't talk about Richmond for the rest of the yes. show. Uh, we'll, well, maybe. We'll see what happens. But um, quickly, where do, you, where do you see the marketplace at the moment? Obviously, Glenn's just asked a question. It's a bit long for me to put on screen. But um, where, do you, where do you see things at the moment? It feels like things are a little bit quieter. Is that a fair assumption? Things uh, have been a little bit quieter, definitely think, over the, the last few weeks. Um, and I think they are maybe starting to heat back up a little bit um, in terms of just the flow and circulation of money and transactions, but also the amount of interaction that's taking place online. Um, sure, we can attribute the interaction to things that are actually also happening within football itself, but inevitably that sort of stuff leads to more cards being transacted. So a good example is today was trade day and trade night, and as a result, online activity in general is through the roof on all the pages, all the card pages, yep. all the AFL and AFL card pages because everyone's talking about it. As a result, the interaction levels go up, it gets more timeline hits, it starts to play into the algorithm and everything like that on Facebook. It then generates more interest, more people, and it ultimately results in more transactions taking place that would otherwise not happen. So I think you've got little things like that that are fueling it and giving it a little kick every so often. Um, But otherwise, I think, you know, we expected the market to flatten out a bit and correct a little bit in certain areas. We've seen that happening. 
Um, it continues to happen in some areas, but in other areas, you know, things are going through the roof. Supremacy has never been more valuable and more costly than what it is right now to, to, to get certain cards or most cards from that series, and that still continues to go up and up. We've seen the rise and rise of DPS cards, not just from this series, but now from all previous series, getting yep. a significant rise, which to me is an indicator of um, a change in format of speculation, basically, or not just people or people collecting, but also a lot of speculation taking place from people and, and within the market that wouldn't have otherwise been AFL collectors or AFL participants in the past. So maybe it's more NBA guys and, and gamer guys and stuff like that who are moving in to speculate because maybe they're being priced out of those other markets and they're pricing in at a lower level into AFL. So I think, you know, you've got to look at that and you've got to offset it. So everyone can sit there and go, okay, well, high flyers have dropped in price from this series and certain stuff have dropped in price from this series. But look what's happened to draft pick signatures from last year's dominance. You're literally looking at some cards. They're not just like double the price. Some of them are literally 20 times as much as what they were at the exact same time during the release last year. Like literally, there are cards that were 20 to $30 that are going from anywhere from 250 to $350. And there's not just, not just one, there's a lot of them. So yeah. So do you think that's a, a good, um, I guess, and we're going to talk a little bit about speculation later on, but is that a good vote of confidence for people that might be or have been holding the DPSs from this current series, that there might actually be a nice little return for them in 12 or 24 months? Uh, I would think I would think that signature cards in general and especially uh, draft or rookie signature cards are going to play a huge part in the future of where the value lies with respect to AFL cards. Um, I definitely think that that is already, it's happening right now, and I think that's going to happen, it's going to be long-term. Now, there's a counter-argument right now about 2020 dominance DPSs is that, well, they started really high, they maintained high value for two to three weeks, and then in the last four weeks, they've really started, a lot of them have started to drop off on the higher end, your Rantel, you know, the Tigers and the Collingwoods and the Hawks and the big teams. And what that you can attribute that to, the fact that they're dropping off is that one, the pre-existing collectors have got what they need for their sets, but also two, you've got another, you've got some people taking profits who'd invested a lot into sealed stock and breaks and need return. But you also, because there's such a high volume of breaks, there's a different mentality at the moment at play as well from a percentage of the market, whereby people are hitting cards in breaks, they're receiving those and they're trying to turn them over as quick as possible to give themselves more bankroll to keep buying into breaks. So once again, there's a, there's a positive and a negative. You can look at, you know, the half the glass half full, half empty situation absolutely applies to pricing at the moment. So prices on singles uh, are maybe have a lot of downward pressure in certain areas, but the, what that's actually doing is it's because so much volume of stock is being moved. And what that's then doing is providing liquidity and money for people to reinvest back into breaks and buying other single cards. So th there's no drop off in the amount of money that's flowing around. It's just moving differently right now to what it was four weeks ago. I'm sorry, it's a long-winded answer, but I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna see demand kick right back in just before Christmas, and I think we're seriously gonna have a serious spike in demand that we're not used to over the summer period. People yep. in AFL expect that summer drops off the cards. I don't think that's gonna be the case. 
I actually think it's going to be the opposite of that. And I think contrary to the fact that lockdowns are over and everything like that, people still have don't have the capability to travel like they normally would during that summer period. And as a result, you're going to have a lot more people still sitting at home. Um, and you're talking about, you know, people who have kids a six week period, which is a genuine holiday period where they've taken off work and stuff for that a long, a long time as well. So I think there's going to be money there. People are bored. They think that they may not have money, but they will end up having more than what they have and they'll want to spend it on something they can enjoy and they want also the social interaction as well. There's my very long-winded answer. Yeah, I was going to say you could have just said yes. Um, but, uh, look, no, oh, that's that's totally spot on. And, look, you know, Scott, what you said about Raoul never dropped price, that's not actually true. It, um, it kind of went out of the gate and was 250 bucks, you know, for a card. But I've definitely noticed in the... In the last couple of weeks, you've been able to pick up a few of those cards for two hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Sometimes two hundred for a couple of cards. Um, yeah, I, I think that there has been a little bit of a drop off, but that's certainly a card that's held its value. And and I and I'd ask you that you know argue that the Will Day card has held its value, and the the Tom Dow for Richmond has dropped a little bit. Um, but yeah, as a general rule, they they have all just sunk a little bit. So look, it'll be interesting. Watch that space with DPSs. Um, I definitely know there's a lot of people that are trying to get sets and and getting bulk orders or bulk collections of those cards. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, just to cover a couple of questions that are in it, Scott as well. Yes, there's Second Supremacy next year. We've talked about that a heap of times. We will cover that, well, indefinitely next year. Um, there's no further information, but it'll most likely be a, a Series 3 or a Series 4 release later in the year, probably... September, did you say, Jenks? You reckon that's about when it'll come? Oh, I reckon it'll be probably a bit later next year as well, just because of the impact that COVID will the impact that COVID will continue to have. Um, I would say I wouldn't be expecting supremacy probably now until November next year. I reckon. I reckon okay. they're going to hold it for a late release. I think the smart move probably for select at a commercial level would be to really space out their releases next year and not fall into a lull period. Because I think as much as people were like, oh, select better not put anything else out after dominance this year, that'll be, it's a cash grab, it's this, it's that, it's everything else. I feel like where there's a lot of people sitting around, myself included, who are hanging for a release and we're sitting here going, well, what's going to happen for the next like three or four months? There's literally no projected card releases. So all we can do is singles and breaks, but breaks will eventually run out of stock. So yeah. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Like fatigue is probably a word we've used a little bit, but I know, and I was talking to you about this privately, that I'm hanging for a new release of cards. Um, so yeah, I guess it depends if they do three releases or four releases next year. It's probably gonna, it's probably gonna see where that lies. But um, supremacy, we'll talk about next year. But our only advice, as we give every week, is if you're thinking about buying supremacy, it's a buyer's market out there. Start start buying it up because the prices are only going to go in one direction. Um, something you messaged me about the other day, there seems to be a real, and we talk about this a lot, the maturing of the marketplace. Um, you've talked to me about that there's some really different ways money are now flying into the space. Do you want to just give the listeners or the viewers a little bit of an insight into that? Yep. Um, I suppose I'll preface it in saying what I think what I'm going to talk about with regards to the flow of money right now is on the broad spectrum of trading cards and collectible cards and sports trading cards and gaming trading cards. 
Um, however, our domestic market within Australia, and whether that's AFL, you know, NRL, or what happens with the NBA over here and everything else, we are still part of that global ecology and global economy of trading cards. Now, what is happening at the moment is there is significant moves being made at a much bigger level and a much more sophisticated level than where the collector base and the hobby base sits. And what's happening in that respect is major, major investment and major financial investment and the recognition of, of trading cards, a, a real, a, you know, a real authoritative position of it and, you know, globally recognised now that trading cards are becoming an alternate asset class investment. So as a result, you're starting to see public declarations from major, major equity funds, private investment funds, private equity funds, even some public funds all over the world who are declaring that for the next calendar year, one of the key areas where they intend to, to put their, their capital and put their, their clients' money into for investment purposes is trading cards. So that is really interesting because we already know there's been some big money moving in and some real sophisticated people. And there's no doubt the likes of Gary V and whatnot has really motivated a, a wealthier investor base to want to invest in trading cards. But when these huge funds that literally have billions, tens of billions, possibly some of them hundreds of billions of dollars of funds under management, declare that they're going to start taking positions in trading cards. We're not just talking, you wouldn't be talking about like, well, they're going to go, you know, throw in $10 million, $5 million, $2 million. You're talking about companies or not companies, funds that, that would take positions that it would be very substantial. Like, I think I'd said to you, like my feedback to you was when I, I saw a tweet about, about a fund announcing it was in their top six buys for the, for the next 12 months, their top six investment trading cards was before art. Trading cards was number four and art was number five, which is really interesting. Um, but as I said to you, these are the type of players that can literally spend a hundred million US dollars in a week and not blink, that's standard procedure, that's what they've got to do. So imagine you have funds and multiple ones coming in with that sort of money and sinking that sort of money into the market. And for them, it's all a volume game, it's a large scale volume. So it doesn't matter, they're not looking at it going, oh, we need to see a return tomorrow in this. They're buying it as an investment over a, a longer period of time. And what that's gonna do is deplete the market of stock. So, it, you know, collectors need to be really conscious of that cards that you collect could become a lot harder to find because there's much more significant competition, but there'll also be a lot more volatility in the market. So more cards will pop on and off the market at different times and the value of what you're current holding is will go up significantly. So in the first case, it's going to be NBA, MLB, NFL, Pokemon, um, you know, all, all those sorts of all, all MTG and things like that which are transacting already at a much larger scale, they'll be the first impacted. But make no mistake about it, it will filter through to all domestic markets because there'll be domestic market operators that want to follow what the international players are doing as well. Oh, I gonna, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. It, yeah. It, it copies the trends from the US, you know, yeah. especially things like that happen over there. And then obviously yeah. everywhere in the world, they want to continue. So, yeah. and look, you know, Chris just asked a good question there. Do you think Captain Six will increase at all? Well, I think that's a perfect example of a card where if you've, 
if you're holding a bulk amount of these or there is a bulk amount of them on the market, they can say, you know, let's use, for example, uh, oh, we use Trent Cochin, all right? You know, he's a triple premiership captain. He's a Brownlow medalist. His captain's signature is never, never going to go down in value over a certain period of time, you know, whether it's five years or 10 years, if he continues to win premierships or continues to win, you know, whatever, you know, all sorts of things, the demand for that card is going to be strong and you've got a triple premiership captain's signature on a card. Someone like Patrick Cripps is another example. If he suddenly wins a Brownlow or Carlton win a flag, cards like that are only going to go up in value. I think historically, you look at the historical data and what happens is that Captain Sigs are one of the subsets that stand the test of time. You can go back and look at the previous releases of Captain Signatures and they're no cheaper than what they were. Like they're all thousand dollar cards or you just can't get them. Look, we've already had a couple up for unicorns. We just cannot find the things. People are quick to forget. They're numbered to 50. They're captains of the club and they're a subset that's only released like once a decade basically. So they yep. don't come out every year. It's not like a draft pick signature or something like that or a certified SIG or a player's ink SIG where there's going to be a box hit. These are case hits that only get released every several years. Um, they, they stand the test of time. They're long-term. Like they're, that's, yeah, I, I see them as, ha- as maintaining strong value over time and as new people into the market, that's one of the subsets and one of the key cards. It's like, you know, I, I'm still looking for a Robert Harvey. I'm still looking for a Lenny Hayes, Aaron Hamill. Well, I can't even find a Lenny Hayes, Aaron Hamill. I can find a Robert Harvey, but I don't want to pay the, the huge asking price on it, you know? So it's, they're worth a lot of money. I'll eventually have to pay. Yeah, and, and Daniel, it's, it's, a, it's a good point. There is some stock that's buried, but what a lot of people don't know is that up to probably 2012, 2013, um, Select were throwing a lot of stock out. They would go and print 500 cases. They would sell 300 of them. And two years later, they would literally go and take them down to the tip. So there is a lot of stock that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, well, and also, uh, you know, Card Zone actually has a really significant amount of the old sealed stock. Select um, did a deal with Steve Wang, who owns Card Zone and JLH Holdings, which is the distribution company as well. A lot of yep. people may not actually realize this. A lot of people look at Cardzone on eBay and just like, oh, these guys are so expensive. This is crazy, whatever. People need to actually look at them in a different way. If Cardzone and Steve Wang did not prop up the market for 20 years of when it was running shit, we wouldn't even have trading cards where they are right now. Yep. That bloke went and invested in buying up all that dead stock and all that shit and still maintaining high prices on then the secondary market on eBay he kept the hobby alive. I'm telling you now, like I, I feel very strongly about this, that yeah. he literally almost single-handedly maintained a market that would have just collapsed. It would have instantly collapsed if he didn't do it. And no doubt he's seeing the rewards of that right now with this, this price of sealed stock and the demand going through the roof. He would have been picking it up really cheap, all that dead stock, but he was also stuck sitting on it in warehousing for, for you know, 10, 10, 15, yeah. 20 years Russell was worthless and worth nothing. So, yeah, like huge credit. And for those who don't know, know uh, Stephen Cardzone, an absolute uh, mainstay of the hobby for, for decades, I think for, for since 1990, early 80s, late 80s, early 90s, something like that that he's been around for. And uh, Cardzone in Melbourne, one of the few physical stores that has stood the test of time as well. So 
Yeah, so, for sure. And look, and look, we'll move through these questions, Dylan. Look, a premiership predictor set's going to be worth anything. Um, maybe, obviously, the winning team is going to hold a little bit of value. But, you know, if you're holding a St Kilda from 2020, I mean, that card's worth nothing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if, if you're talking about full sets of all the teams, those things aren't going to hold that much value. You just you got to remember one one thing to keep in mind as well though AJ is that people need them for master sets and team sets and what I found quite interesting and it's still there's still one that I'm missing actually I can't remember which year it is it's in my list but as I've gone through that process of trying to put my master sets in you know a select master set for St Kilda together some of the cards that I found either more expensive than I expected or harder to find than I expected were actually the old Premiership predictors. And rookie cards, like these, the certain types of rookies that were released back in the day as well, um, which is really interesting. And that's something for people to keep in mind too. Anyone that is thinking about going down the route of trying to do like a full master team set and backlogging it, you're going to find that a lot of the real base level inserts or, or high numbered inserts are actually harder than the super high end cards to find. So I, I, yeah. I would agree because the it, it's human mentality that you have these let's call them rubbish cards or shit cards, they either go in the bin or they just get discarded or whatever. And yeah. I can speak from my own experience of trying to track down some Richmond cards only from six, seven years ago. And I've got some really obscure, basically common cards that I can't find. So, yeah. um, but I guess more with price rise though, uh, you know, a St Kilda Premiership predictor from 2012 is not going to suddenly become a $1,000 card. It's it's correct. It might become a fifty or a hundred dollar card because people can't find them, but they're not gonna they're not gonna have the same sort of upside as a DPS or a Captain Sig or something like that. Yeah, so no, I agree. so look, interesting times, and I think that we again we talk so much about the marketplace maturing and sophisticated money coming in and all that kind of stuff. Um, seeing that some of those big moves are happening over in America, I think is very positive signs for the Australian marketplace in the long term. Yeah. Anyway, so look, let's um, we, we're going to cover a heap of stuff, as I said at the top of the show, about NBA and Pokemon and cricket and all those things over the coming weeks when AFL's kind of, you know, quiet. Um, so if you've got questions about that, certainly send them through. Our new website will be live tomorrow. So you will be able to submit some stuff there if you do need to um, ask us any questions or post unicorns or all that kind of stuff. Um, and also, if you're watching us on YouTube or iTunes or listening or whatever that kind of stuff, give us a subscribe, push the subscribe button, whatever you need to do and tell your friends. Anyway, um, let's move on to sort of what we wanted to talk about tonight. And we're putting this under the banner of Cardboard School because I guess this is a little bit about speculation, about whether you want to speculate on buying cards for players that have moved to new teams or perhaps you want to um, get rid of some cards that are part of your set, things like that. Um, obviously, there's been a whole new or a whole range of moves today. Um, more than we, you know, I can't really remember a trade period where so many, I wouldn't say premium players, but middle tier to higher tier players have made movements. So we're going to work through them all and the questions are coming through and we will get to them all. Um, but let's start with someone like Ben Brown. So Ben Brown was playing, obviously, for North Melbourne. He was arguably 
one of the, the the brand name players in most of the cards for the select series in the last couple of years. I mean, he's got a, a dominance. He's got an influential. He's got a showstopper, um, you know, which are premium cards numbered to 40 or 60. What happens to his cards, Jenks, now that he's moved to Melbourne? Is there going to be a bump or is there going to be a dump? So I think from a general perspective, uh, contrary to what people think might happen, people who own those cards already most likely keep those cards unless they have multiples of them. So if you're a North Melbourne collector, you still need his card in your collection. You're not just going to go sell your dominance or your influential or whatever it is. You still need it within your collection. Then if there's people that collected him as a player, will they still retain those cards as well? So I don't think you see this flood of, of his previous North Melbourne cards come onto the market that, that, that then massively devalues them. I just don't really see that happening. As I said, there might be people that have multiples that now decide they don't want the multiple anymore, and that's obviously going to cause downward price pressure on it. But aside from that, I, I don't see that happening from a general perspective. Now, with, re- with regards to him going across to the Ds, well, I would say that, like, it's almost like the Ds from a collector base and a supporter base sort of thing and performance and everything probably hit, hit their, their, their bottom. The worst their cards were ever going to perform probably got hit about six to nine months ago, nine to 12 months ago. Similar timing probably to, to where St Kilda was or maybe a year behind where St Kilda was. So as a result of that, we're already seeing Melbourne cards and the, Mel- the level of participation with respect to collectors in Melbourne cards has gone up significantly this year. It hasn't just gone up with, with everything else going up. It's still gone up as an individual team, probably by 30% or something. So it's, it's already up well and truly off the historic lows in that sense. Um, I think his cards at Melbourne will be worth equally as much as they are at North Melbourne, if not potentially more. North cards seem to be holding or declining, whereas Demon's cards are on the rise based on the club's performance, really. Yep, okay. Fair call, fair call. What do you you think? Uh, I think it's a pump, and I guess we can probably use, you know, this pump or dump, you know, for most of these players that we're going to talk about. I think it's it's an upgrade for Ben. I think, um, you know, North Melbourne are probably in the lower tier of clubs for collector base and value. I would say Melbourne is, you know, the top of the bottom or the bottom of the middle, somewhere like that. So I think there's going to be a new generation of fans if he, you know, he's a good player. If he suddenly starts kicking 70 goals a year at Melbourne, they're going to want to start buying his cards if you're a Ben Brown collector. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's a pump for him in particular. Yeah. I suppose one of the big contributing factors as well that we have to point out here is that not all people collect the, the players that come to their club's previous cards. So, like, for me, for instance, perfect example... I'm I'm a uh, I'm a St Kilda collector, a team set collector, but my set parameters determine that I own, I only collect cards in either St Kilda jumpers or non-club jumpers. So as a result of that, obviously Higgins, who's come across to the Saints, I need to get his Future Force cards, but I don't want his draft pick signature or any Richmond cards of his. They don't go into my set. Only his Future Force cards go into my set. So here's the thing: there may, there may not be a heap of Melbourne people that want Ben Brown's North Melbourne cards, but there also might be a bunch that it's defined as part of their collection and collecting and that they need to get them. So, yeah, I, I see it as nothing. I see it as 
maintain or up? Like, I don't see it going backwards at all. Yep. And the Future Force red and blues and golds and greens and all that kind of stuff, what I think that they will be generally a pump for most of these players we talk about today because there's going to be, as you just explained about um, Jack Higgins, there's going to be new team set collectors that are going to want to have those players' cards in their set, which create more demand on those low number cards or short run cards. I think they're what? 25 for the greens maybe and 40 for the gold or something like that so there's not a lot of those cards anyway so i think they will um yeah they will continue to pump those those sorts of cards yeah um sean higgins who goes from north melbourne to geelong now obviously sean higgins is a little bit of a journeyman he um you know has been at a few clubs does suddenly his cards get a little bit of value now um and in a new collingwood jersey are they going to have a little bit more value now that he's gone from North Melbourne to Geelong? Um, so I don't necessarily think his older cards get a significant increase. I don't think they go backwards at all. I definitely don't think they go backwards. I think they maintain, again, the North collectors need them in their collections. Going to Geelong is going to then give him a whole new collector base moving forward of his cards of Geelong colours. And then again, it's like, Based on performance, if all of a sudden he has a bright, you know a fantastic year twenty twenty one at Geelong, a whole bunch of Geelong people may turn around and go, you know what, I fucking love this guy. I want a PC Higgins now. I'm going to go backlog his whole his whole collection. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. All right. So someone like Fantasia going from Essendon to Port, we've discussed over the last couple of weeks that obviously Essendon cards have really found themselves in a little bit of a hole. They're a big four Melbourne club. They really should be in the top echelon of collectability, I guess, is that if that's the right word. Someone like Fantasia moving to Port, does that open up a new realm of value for his cards? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, again, most people would, you know, under normal circumstances, would go, oh, Essendon to Port Adelaide going down in value. It's Port, Port's this, that, the other. Well, those people aren't tracking the market correctly because Port is one of the biggest value increases you know, on a per capita basis in terms of their cards over the last 12 months. Port is the team in terms of trading cards, St Kilda to an extent as well, but Port has really, really broken out. Their cards have significantly increased in value um, and it's based on the fact that there are a lot more collectors. The collectors have become more passionate based on on-field performance as well. And the team is performing well, which means you're getting that conversion of more supporter base into collector base. And uh, yeah, then you take that, you look at Fantasia, Essendon's been low, the cards that you've been able to get, yeah, the prices you can get Essendon cards that I have been able to get Essendon cards that in 2020 is probably disproportionate on the low side to everything else or to most other things. So therefore they've been really actually good buying value. Uh, but yeah, I actually think Fantasia, coupled with the fact that Port is on a hot run at the moment with a good informed team, means he could end up with, he, he's not just going to get collected by poor people, he could end up with a cult following off the back of his performance over the next couple of years there. And again, it brings that realm of going and backlogging all his cards. So again, I see him as upside only. I don't see downside on Fantasia. Interesting one. So Isaac Smith, who obviously has been at Hawthorne, Hawthorne cards are definitely in that top echelon of collectability. I'm using that word. I'm sure it's bad, but whatever. Um, they, you know, Hawthorne cards are expensive, um, in demand, all that kind of stuff. Now that he goes to Geelong, 
where do you think that goes with his cards? Because I think this is one of the situations where, um, oh, g'day, Cherry, um, one of these guys that um, I actually think this is going to hurt his value of his cards. I, t- I tend to agree. I'm surprised you said that. I thought I was going to say that, that and you were going to be, you know, you did you disagree with it. That's really interesting. I'm on the same page with you there. Uh, Isaac Smith cards, because they've been Hawthorne cards, have always been historically high in value because there's so much demand at a team collector level um, for for the Hawks, obviously. And you know, they weren't they they used to be much better than what they were this year. So, so their cards and their cards have actually held up pretty well, even whilst they've been performing horribly on field. Um, I think his cards are actually going to go down in value. I think a lot of people may expect they would maintain, but Geelong. Has, it has a good collector base, but it's nowhere near the strength of Hawthorne. Yeah. And uh, I actually think a Geelong Isaac Smith card next year will be worth less money than the Hawthorne equivalents were worth. Yeah. And that the, the Hawthorne equivalents may go down maybe 10 to 20%, but I don't see any more than that. I can't see them dropping anything significantly. I don't see them being mass collected by Hawks people anymore if they ever were, but and that and therefore that's maybe a ten to twenty percent thing. Okay, so let's now look at another example, Jeremy Cameron. So um historically Jeremy Cameron cards have been worth peanuts. You know, you look at his influential card which is numbered to forty and realistically that's a hundred and fifty dollar card. Now slap a Geelong jumper on him down to Victoria or Melbourne or whatever you want to call it, what do you think is going to happen to his cards? Yeah, I think his cards will see a significant increase in value. Um, it will be, obviously, it'll it'll really probably start with the Geelong cards that come out for him if they do come out in, in 2021. We'll have an increased value straight off the bat, again, just based purely on collector base. But I also think that uh, there will be, it, it's for, for him to go to a club like Geelong, I think it's a it's a huge confidence booster for your general person that follows football, and I think people will probably agree that playing in a powerhouse side like that, and notwithstanding GWS obviously did very well in 2019, but it's different. Like you're talking about an experienced powerhouse club like Geelong with a very long history and culture. Jeremy Cameron, if he fits in well and plays well, he can once again become a club sort of hero there with a huge following, but I also think that there's going to be other people now, non, non-GWS, non-Geelong people that would be more interested in Jeremy Cameron's cards because they expect him to have, to, although, you know, being a more senior player, he's got a, probably a really good outlook the next couple of years as well. Absolutely, and I think a really good parallel to the Jeremy Cameron example is what happened with Tom Lynch at Richmond. You know, you could, and and apologies, Connor, because I know he's your love child, but his Gold Coast signature cards and patch cards, you could pick up for a couple of hundred bucks. They were not worth a lot. Fast forward two years or three years and a couple of premierships, you've got Tom Lynch influential cards that are worth 1200 1300 bucks, and really desirable and really hard to find. So I kind of feel like that's the blueprint of what might happen to Jeremy Cameron. Absolutely. And, you know, Tom Lynch, you look at Tom Lynch's certified patches, they're the only ones from basically a shit team that buck the trend, and it's because so many Richmond collectors wanted those, those Gold Coast patches of his. You know, those Gold Coast patches... Uh, put were pricing, you know, in the 400 to 600 range in any given week or month, 
whereas the mid-range Victorian teams were only in the 250 to 350 range, you know what I mean? Yep. So Tom Lynch was the one card in the whole series of, of patches that bucks the price trend of a Gold Coast card. And you can look, the same shit applies with Gary Adler. You know, he was at Gold Coast as well. Look at the value of his Gold Coast cards, although he's a cult, bit of a cult figure. But, yeah, I definitely think, you know, we're, we're going to see it with Jeremy Cameron here for sure. Cool. And look, obviously now, you know, and I know we're getting messages coming through about Collingwood. We're about to about to talk about them. So relax, Daniel and whoever it is, you know, we're going to get to them. Don't worry. Um, so as, as an overall thing, do you think now Select will make, because we've talked about this a little bit before, that Select make the decision on who they're going to be on their cards, you know, sometimes nine months in advance. So maybe the first release and the second release next year might already have identified players. Do you think, and let's use Jeremy Cameron for example again, is there a chance we won't see him on cards wearing a uh, a Geelong top because there just isn't going to be the photos and there isn't the stock for it? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we'll see him on cards for, for Footy Star Series or whatever Series 1 is next year. I yep. definitely don't think the trade players will be in that series and therefore they will probably not be in prestige if they do prestige again. We'll have to wait for Series 2 before we see them. I was impressed this year that in Series 2 this year, in Dominance, they managed to get a lot of the new players or players that didn't even play last year into the card. So, which means they managed to acquire some images from rounds one to three, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely don't think for series one, but I would like to think for series two, we'll see, we'll see the new players in new colours. Yeah. Okay. But then could that also, uh, going back to the, if you're starting to fall in love with a player that's at your club, does that mean perhaps create some demand on Jeremy Cameron cards because, you know, players can't or people can't get their fix on those cards in those first couple of series because they're not going to be around? Could that be a factor at all? Possibly, yeah. That's an interesting one to look at. I suppose time will, uh, time will tell. Yeah, cool. So, look, now we'll move to some of the big names because I know everyone's frothing to hear about it. Um, I want to talk about Tom Phillips first. So, Tom Phillips, I would probably call a middle-tier player at Collingwood. Um, you know, I know a fair bit about him from my real job with data. He's a real accumulator on some nights. He doesn't have a huge presence in trading cards to date. I mean, I think he had a green in prestige from memory. He maybe has a hollow, but I mean, he's never been on any of the top end cards. Is that, now, he's got a SIG. I think he's got a, does he have a certified SIG or something like that? Um, maybe I'm sure someone will tell us in the chat, but um, he doesn't have a huge a huge presence. Now that he moves to a club like Hawthorne, do you suddenly see a player like that who's effectively, I guess, going into the Isaac Smith role? Does he get a bigger profile now with cards that he's come across? Great, uh, that's a, a really really interesting interesting point actually. Um, yeah, like <laughs> now that you're saying it. It, it would make sense. Doesn't have a high profile at Collingwood, so therefore underperforms in terms of card value, moves to a Hawthorne, performs well at the club, elevates his status as a player within the league and increases his value at Hawthorne. I definitely see that. That's possible. It's all going to come down to on-field performance for him. Because he's not currently like a franchise or marquee type player, they're not exactly going to be using Tom Phillips on their marketing first up, for example. That's but true. maybe 
by the end of the season, if he's had a really good season, he could become a, re- a real, you know, face-up franchise player for the club. And therefore, yeah, his value as a player and therefore his value of cards in Hawthorne colours would be more valuable than what they would have been when he was at Collingwood. So, yep. yeah, no, oh, could happen. Could happen. Okay. And thank you, David Hardy. Yeah, 2019 Dom Sig for Phillips. So thanks for that. Um, okay. Let's look at Adam Trelaw. So um, Collingwood have been absolutely gutted losing, you know, three arguably starting 22 players. Trelaw has been one of the main features on Collingwood cards since he has joined the club. There's a supremacy booklet. There's a footy's finest. There, uh, what else might there be? He, he's on a lot of cards. Anyway, Um what happens now, first of all, on a Collingwood style? Do Collingwood supporters get shitty that they might have spent two and a half grand on a Trelaw booklet and he doesn't even play for the club anymore? What happens to the value of his cards to Collingwood collectors and other collectors that might hold it as trade bait or something like that? Um, so uh, it's a real interesting one. And time's going to tell what's going to happen here. My gut feeling is we're, go- we're not going to see any real significant drop-off. We might see some protest selling, basically, where support, yep. yeah, like protest selling, like protest voting, yeah, where you don't really you don't care about the other party. You're just voting against someone in particular. So I would call it almost protest selling. There you go. We may have just uh, coined the new word here. Probably so not, I, 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 I see... I see some potential protest selling if it's going to take place at all, but it may not, whereby Collingwood people are angry at the situation and he's going to another club. However, I feel like Collingwood people are more pissed off at the moment at what the club has done to him. Yep. I think he, he, he has there's no indiscretion there or anything like that. His on-field performance speaks for itself. The blokes, he's elite. Yep. He's, if, he's, if he's not considered elite yet in the categories, I'm sure he will be. Oh, he is. Um, he's, 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 he's ranked number one across so many metrics for yeah, but, 2020. Yeah. So he's elite. He's a superstar. If I was a Collingwood collector and I had Adam Trelaw booklets and footy's finest and shit like that, I would still be stoked to have those cards. One, I know I need them in my collection, but two, they're really great cards for a really fantastic player. He did his service for the club. At the time the cards were created, he was a fantastic clubman and a great player for that club. If he happens to be in a future club there that's different, then it, do- it doesn't matter. I don't see that as a reason for Collingwood people to to sell off to sell off those, those cards. Um, well, I ask this, and look, you know, tread carefully here with your response. But we we spoke about a specific Adam Trelaw card during the week, and it was, it was a few other issues we were talking about, but. The example that we saw was that there was a Trelaw Footy's Finest on one of the sites for sale um, and it couldn't get any bites at a dollar figure that we both agreed six months ago would have snapped sold at 20, 25, 30% more. That was around the time when they were saying that Trelaw was probably going to get moved on. Is that any kind of an indicator or do you think that's just more market? I think uh, it's a, probably a combination of market and a bit of the unknown as well because there's been so much getting swirled around and so, so many things being talked about and thrown around. I think people were, have been scared of, 
of going a few of these cards because they wanted to see what would happen, where the player would go and how how the card would settle. you got to remember, Trelaw's going to the dogs here who are a, a team that are only rising right now. Yep. Look at what they've just picked up. They're going to be even better in 2021 than what they were in 2020, and they were very competitive in 2020. They got to, you know, that's, you know, look at the superstars in the team still, regardless of you know, whatever. Like, look at the superstars they already have in the team. Bonton Pelly, Bailey Smith, Aaron Norton. This is a serious team on paper. Uh, so the, the Bulldogs collectors are going to be just, you know, so so excited to have Adam Trelaw come to their club. Maybe they're the ones that are actually going to hold the price value for his cards up because they're all going to want his cards as well. Again, it's a determination whether the Bulldogs people want his older Collingwood cards or they only want the new cards. You know what I mean? Well, there you go. Capitan's just commented there. And um, I think it was Dean Rolf had something just up on the screen before about saying how he'd sold off. So Dean's a Carlton man and he sold off all his bets and gibbs. But Dean, let me ask the question and please throw it in the comments. Because, because Eddie ended up coming back to Carlton, do you regret selling off all your cards then? And just so everyone knows, full disclosure, because we're talking about Eddie Betts, I have his 0-1 Future Hall of Fame. So if anyone, uh, <laughs> big, big Adelaide people or, or anyone else won that card, come see Settle down, down, settle down. This is not an easy marketplace, all right? No, I want to trade. <laughs> I'm looking for trades. Um, um, no, but, but, but seriously, uh, Dean, if you could let us know, I'd love to know, like, how, like, genuinely, are you when he when you when Eddie came back to the club? Were you like, wow, I should never have sold his cards? Um, and Gibbs is obviously not back at the club, so no, so. Well, Gibbs Gibbs is on the punt. Um, yeah. Okay, so the the Trelaw card we've covered, and I think, look, I, I don't know if I hundred percent agree. I think there will be a little bit of a decline in those prices. Um, I guess time will tell. Um, you know, it's now his third club. I can't even remember. Was he on any GWS cards? I, I don't even recall any. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I tell you, just said it now. I didn't even recall that he played for GWS. Yeah, yeah. So he's just been he's been, he's been such a hot play, hot collected player at Collingwood. Like I feel like if you were going ahead of his cards, why would you dump him? If you had a whole bunch of Trelaw Footy Finest cards. What benefit is there to getting rid of it? That is a sick card with a sick player. Why? Okay, but you, you just touched on something there. So if no one would, you know, he was hotly collected as soon as he went to Collingwood, was he hotly collected because he was at Collingwood or because he was a good player? I'd argue he was still the same player when he was at GWS. Probably. So maybe, I don't know. Someone tell us. I'd love if anyone knows if anyone, if he did have what GWS cards he had and did people actually collect them, and what happened to his cards when he went from GWS to Collingwood? Mm. Did it just did, did it like steroid up three hundred percent, or was it just a bit of an increase to Collingwood level sort of thing? You know, if anyone knows, feel free to chime in. So the next one we're going to move on to, and look, there's been a few comments about this is um, Stevenson or Stephenson or however you want to pronounce it, Stevenson. Steve O. Um, so. You know, we, we don't need to, I don't even need to put data to this. Everyone knows he's had a pretty average year, all that kind of stuff. How does that now affect his price of cards now that he's heading to North Melbourne, who arguably, as we've said many times, is not a highly collectible team? What happens to the price of his showstopper? 
the Stevenson one's a really interesting one. This is the one that I have the most concerns with in terms of volatility of what's going to happen with his cards. But I think it's going to be very particular cards of his that are impacted, to be honest. And I don't think it's the ones in Collingwood colours because either the print runs are so short that the set collectors outweigh the, the supply in terms of numbering or he's got certain cards that were collected by multiple people in, in quantity and those people know that this, that they shouldn't dump. If they dump the market, they'll kill his card value. And, you know, a credit to a lot of the pies collectors, a lot of the most experienced and long-term collectors within our marketplace and within the hobby for AFL domestically uh, are some of the most astute collectors, you know, and long-term collectors, the Collingwood guys. And I think there's some really smart operators there who, who understand what could happen here. And I think they're smart enough to not let it happen here, basically. Where I think the cards are impacted, because Stevenson cards have always been massively overinflated. Well, not overinflated. The price has been relative to what the demand has been. People really love the bloke. They thought he's a genuine superstar. Colling Collingwood um, tax. Collingwood tax. Yeah. Same as Richmond tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Collingwood tax, Richmond tax, whatever it is. Yep. The tax, apparently, apparent of taxation. Um, but. It's. I think it's his future force cards where are going to take the real. If if anything's going to take a hit, it's not the pies cards so much. It's his future force ones. I think. Uh, it, it's. Okay. Well, North, 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 North Melbourne people won't pay the same price for a Jaden Stevenson future force card as what a Collingwood collector would, and I don't think a North person ever will. And as a result of that. When they do pop up on the market, if and when they pop up on the market, they're not going to achieve the same price as they were, and the sellers are going to have to come down, or someone's going to. There's a stalemate. The sellers, you know, come down in price. A purchase is done at a lower price than it was previously, and that might be the market signal. Well, how's this? And this is probably going against a little bit of what I was saying, thinking his cards are going to go to shit. What about if he goes to North Melbourne, arguably a, a, a club that is at the bottom, in trouble, no coach, all that kind of stuff, and he just fucking lights it up? Like, I mean, becomes the, the cult hero, the best fucking dusty, the dusty of North Melbourne. Absolutely. What happens if he does that? He becomes this game breaker. He kicks 50 goals a year. He actually decides not to be shit like he has been this year. And then he just becomes like the hot property in North Melbourne. Can that actually work in reverse? And suddenly his Collingwood cards get a huge bump. Like we're talking about a guy that's only been playing for, what, three years, four years. He's still so young. Yeah, I think here's the thing. I think the, the Collingwood cards, the Jaden Stevenson Collingwood cards, have already priced in his future success to an extent, or had priced in his future success. So I hear what you're saying, and from a sentiment perspective, I totally agree. I agree with that that broad position, but I feel like I feel like it's like a stock market with someone like Jaden Stevenson, where he was heavily speculated on. But his future, ex his expected future performance is priced into the current value. Um, so it was like a share where someone's going, okay, it's not about what the company's doing now. The share price reflects where they're going to be in five years' time. Yep. Or the, the share price 
you know, data's coming out to the market tomorrow, the company's announcing their profit and loss tomorrow, today's share price has already factored that in. And I feel like with Stevo, that's the type of play that it was factored in already. So I hear what you're saying. I don't think in this case that there's a huge amount of upside. I think that North Melbourne collectors, if they see him as a superstar, they could get to the level of paying the same sort of money for his cards, but I don't see how it could go more sort of thing. It could go as high as a Wayne Carey, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, and look, let's be honest, there's fucking nobody at North Melbourne. He is going to be a feature on North Melbourne cards over the next couple of years. Because yeah. there's, there's no one else. There's no Ben Brown there anymore. There's no Sean Higgins. You know, Ben yeah. Cunnington's like 73 years old. Like, <laughs> he's literally, you know, there's Simpkin, there's Stevenson, there's, you know, he is going to have, he's going to be on Supremacy next year for North Melbourne. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, um, what's a, oh, yes, everyone's a bit salty. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, Luke. Um, yeah, look, there's a few people, obviously. And, and look, AFL is very tribal. You know, we're very much team collectors opposed to player collectors like they are in in NBA. Um, I think there's obviously a few Collingwood supporters that would be very upset about what happened today. Um, you know, their club has been gutted. Um, I've got one more for you, right? You know, we've covered those. And this one is actually without notice. So I haven't sure. told you about this. How would you feel if you were a Josh Dunkley collector? who clearly was looking like he had one foot in the door at Essendon and they couldn't get the deal done because Essendon are, well, fucktards is probably the only right word to use. Um, How would you feel about buying Josh Dunkley cards next year in a doggies jumper knowing full well he is a 60 to 70% chance of being out the door? Can't get midfield time. And now they've just brought in a pure midfielder in Trelaw. His role is not going to improve. You know, I know there's a guy, Matty Kennedy, or, um, you know, he, he, he loves Dunkley. You know, what is going to happen to someone like Dunkley? So Dunkley's an interesting situation. I don't know. Look, I obviously watch a lot of footy. I don't know as much of the statistics as my son, my six-year-old son Dylan does, though, because he, he, he's, he's right on it. He keeps me up to date. But listen, all I can judge it on is from people that I know. I'm going to give a massive shout-out to my man Aaron Capitan. My man Aaron Capitan out there because Capitan, once I, the Capitans came to the footy with me, Aaron and his brother came along to a Saints-Bulldogs game, and I learnt that game about who Dunkley was and that Dunkley was actually really, really popular amongst the supporter base. Um, And then this year, obviously, it was this year, and his name was thrown around a bit more in the commentary and everything. But uh, I don't know. As far as I knew, as an outsider, I thought he was one of the better players at the club or one of the the more highly touted players of the future at the club. Um, And it's a very awkward situation. However, I feel like, I don't know. I reckon the doggies supporters back that player and the collectors will keep collecting him in the hope that he doesn't end up leaving the club. Jonathan, I'll happily uh, take you a wager on that. I think there is zero chance Dunkley is going to be the patch booklet. Zero chance. Um, if the patch booklet isn't a veteran, do you reckon it would be the Bond? Yeah, or McRae. On McRae. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't mention McRae before. Bulldogs have got a good one. they got a good list, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say McRae or the Bond for sure. Or if they want to go real, like, cult kind of stuff, it might be 
Bailey Smith. Um, okay. Well, look, obviously, yeah, there's heaps of questions coming through. There's so many unknowns, a lot of speculation. Um, you know, all supporters that have lost players today, you know, things do get better. Don't worry. Footy will be around next year. You'll be able to cheer and you'll find new heroes at your club. Um, I, think the- S- I think Essendon got Nick Hines from St Kilda. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah, McCray was really <laughs> but, oh, well, and Definitely Aaron, I would say, um, yeah, there's every chance it'll be the bond. That'll be almost a lock. All right, well, look, um, let's move into everyone's favourite subject and obviously my back's starting to play up so we won't run this too long but unicorn hunting we've been a little bit quiet on the ranch this week haven't had a lot of chance to track much stuff down we are looking for jai simkin future franchise 01 supremacy card still from last show so we will have details of that up on the website so if you do know where the 01 jai simkin future franchise supremacy card is make sure you give us a yell but this week we are going back again to 2018, and this is not the first time we've looked for this subset. We are looking for a Paddy Ryder Brownlow predictor. Now, I'll just check my notes. I believe it's the Platinum we're looking for. Yeah, Platinum version. Very hard. It's Again, this just shows you everyone, like, undervalues or misrepresents these, you know, the Platinum predictors that are numbered to, like, 40 or 50 or, or 60 this time around. A couple of years goes by and you can't find the things. I'm still missing a couple in my master set as well. They just never turn up. The thing, they just don't pop up anywhere. I always feel like we need to go and buy a couple of cases of 2018 footy stars, crack them open at Card Authority headquarters, and we're probably going to land about half a dozen unicorns for people that all want these bloody predictors. So... Yeah, if you were to go, yeah, maybe we'll all just do like a big group break or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah so look, if anyone has a Paddy Ryder Platinum Brownlow Predictor from 2018, it's a Footy Stars card, give us a yell. Um, Selwyn Child is looking for it. You know, we'll obviously look after you. He'll either buy it or we can do a trade. And as always, we're always happy to help facilitate any of that. We're not paying for it, but we will help. Um, you know, <laughs> if any of you guys have got it out there, please make sure you give us a yell. Um, 2018 from Select Footy Stars, Brownlow Predictor, Paddy Ryder. Come on, guys. Let's do it. It's, yeah. it's, been, it's been a long 10 days. Um, Scott's is. actually saying he, he thinks his mate's got one. All right, beautiful. We'll let us know. Shoot us a message on the side or to either of us personally, and uh, we will certainly see if we can make that happen. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to add. Can I just? I just want to add quickly. Yeah, go, go. You did mention that we're not going to pay for the cards, but uh, if we do end up picking up a sponsor, someone can sponsor this segment, and you can pay to track down other people's unicorns. So maybe one day, folks, Card Authority will be buying unicorns for people. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Watch your space, and if you do want to sponsor our show, get, get involved. But uh, on a uh, on a more serious note, I do just want to mention that uh, AJ has been very, very the other AJ, not myself, has been very hard at work with the web developer for the last month, the better part of the last four weeks, getting everything beautiful for the CardAuthority.com.au new website to make sure it's interactive and people can really get involved in, in the unicorn stuff as well there. So. As AJ said, tomorrow the site will be fully updated and live. However, 
for those who are inquisitive, if you do want to take a look, you can see it is up right no, now. No, no, I'm not finished. There, 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 there is a special preview. Um, most of it's, 90% of it's all right. It just needs a little bit of an update in the unicorn section. But everyone's going to be able to see every single unicorn that we've had listed and the successful chases, the ones that have been hunted down and found, and what we're, of course, still looking for. And as AJ said earlier, there is an interactive form section now where you can fully submit all the information that we require to have your unicorn chase featured on the show as well. So big credit and uh, here's a big round of applause for Andrew Jeffries, AJ, AJ1 over there because he is older than, than I am slightly. But cool. uh, yeah, well, well, well done, AJ, uh, the unicorn thing once again and uh, taking it to a new level with a new website. And thanks for your support, everyone. Look forward to seeing your hits. Yeah, thank you. And look, obviously, um, yeah, it, it'll look good and... Um, you know, didn't want to release it until tomorrow, so thanks for that, AJ. Um, but obviously, look, yeah, a lot of time's been put into it and you'll be able to watch all the shows, you know, we have video plays embedded and you can listen to it and there's all the links and all the things you need to do to get in touch with us and there's a few other things going on at Card Authority HQ, which, um, yeah, watch this space. But, look, you know, obviously you touched on about looking for sponsors. Um, I really think Beacon Lighting would be really handy to come on board to give you a little bit more light in your office and... yeah. Thankfully, the gremlins haven't come tonight, so that's been a huge result. <laughs> well, uh, that's it. It's, it's the new vibe. It's the new vibe, no gremlins. Somehow, I've gone further away from my router, but the connection got better. So, yeah, we're just on fire here. Well, that's what happens in, you know, deep, dark, downtown Gladiris, you know, where it's a uh, <laughs> yeah, real questionable kind of wiring. Anyway, let's straighten up a little bit. Um, look, obviously, we'll be back next week. We, as we mentioned, we really do want to cover some things about grading and NBA and cricket, all those things which we will do over the next couple of weeks. Um, as always, make sure you get in touch with us if you've got any questions or there's a card you need to look for. We're always here to help, whether we put it on the show or if we don't. Um, yeah, we're always around and, you know, this is what it's about, is trying to get the cards in people's collections. So, um, yeah, feel free to hit us up and we'll certainly see what we can do. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything for today. It's seen a bit of a refreshing change that we haven't gone for six and a half hours for once. Yeah, and I can definitely tell by looking at your eyes down the screen here that the endone that you've been taking to sort your back out is really starting to wear off now. So I think it's uh, it's probably best we get you out of that chair, get you drugged up again and uh, back to bed yeah, is, uh, is the go. So well well done, AJ. You really pulled, pulled it together tonight. I'm very impressed. We said you could probably only get away with 45 minutes and we've doubled it. So yeah. well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm a team player. We got through it. But, um, yeah, on that note, I think it's a good time to sign off and thank you, everyone. And as always, Jenks, you've been amazing. And uh, you too, AJ. And as I said, everyone, make sure you check out the website, www.cardauthority.com.au. Card Authority, episode 11, which is what you're watching right now, will be available on all relevant services. Check out the website for all the details. All the links are there. Feel free to click through. See you later. Good evening. All. Wow. Good night. Bye. Cool.